Thanks, Sam. Morning, everyone. My name's Sai, one of the leaders here. It's uh, my privilege to be sharing God's word with you this morning. Sliding down there. Now, just take a moment. You may need to close your eyes to, to do this, but not for too long. I'll be waking you up in a minute, so no, no, no going to sleep. But, but just to think back to your school days, okay? Just think back to the kids in your year. For some of you, you may still be in school or just left school, so that's not so hard uh, for you to, to, to think of. But for some of us, it's getting increasingly harder. But anyway, think of the kids in, in your year, those boys and girls. Now, there would have been those boys and girls that stand out in your mind due to the confidence that they had. Now, I'm not talking about arrogance. Arrogance, they may remember them too, but you won't remember them so fondly. They'll stand out for other reasons. But confidence, it's something, when someone is, is confident, someone who's secure in themselves, it's actually a very attractive quality in a person, so much so that I bet actually most of us in the room can remember that boy or that girl or, or those few people, and it is usually only a few that stand out in your mind because they were prepared to stand out from the crowd because they were secure in who themselves. It may even have been you. You may have been that person in your, your year. Whilst you're back in school thinking about that, also think as a child, remember you were as a, as a youth, remember your parents and those annoying habits that they had and those annoying ways and so uncool things that they used to say and do. Remember those physical features that used to stand out to you so much. And now open your eyes and look at yourself. <laughs> How many of us are, are slowly turning into our parents, no matter how much we try. Now, obviously, for those people that, uh, sadly, your parents had whopping uh, 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 failures or, or there was uh, major uh, issues there, actually, through conscious effort, you can be different to what they were. But it is through conscious effort. By nature and nurture, we ultimately end up turning into our, like our parents, in many, many ways. And today, I want to look at how God wants us to be confident children of God as we move on in this passage in John's letters. So if you've got your Bible, uh, open your Bible to 1 John chapter 2. It should appear on the screen behind me as well. And we'll be starting in verse 28. And it says this. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it, it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we will be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning 
also practice lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. I just have two simple points that I want to bring to you this morning. Firstly, that we are children of God. And then secondly, I want to look at the character traits, or some of the character traits, it's not an exhaustive list, of the children of God. For through the Spirit abiding in us, we become confident children of God, living for the return of Christ. So, my first point, that we are children of God. The climax of what John wants us to know in this, this passage is that we, in Christ Jesus, are children of God. Because that is who you are. We can approach God as Father. You know, we've lost something in Western society of the enormity of this fact that we can approach God as our Father. There was a serious shock factor to this when John was writing this. You may talk about God as the Father of creation. You may talk about God as the Father of the people of Israel, but not your Father personally. It wasn't done. Even in the Roman Greek world, Yes, kings and emperors and great people might refer to themselves as, oh, we're the sons of the gods or daughters of the, the gods, but not ordinary folk. That, that, wasn't, that wasn't there. Today, if you were to speak to Muslims or if you were to speak to people that follow Judaism, then they would still teach that as well. You, you don't refer to God as your father. Islam in particular would be very strong with it. You know, why would you think the Almighty cares about you? He just cares that you obey him. That's what it teaches. Jesus Christ radically changes how we view God and how we can approach God. Not as servants or slaves as we deserve. Not even as elevated uh, position of friends like some of the Old Testament characters like Abraham and Moses get referred to. But we come to him as our Father. You do a study in the Bible, you look in the Old Testament, and you will find in the Old Testament there's only 15 recorded passages where God is directly addressed as Father. You come into the New Testament, and in the first four books, the Gospels, God is addressed personally as Father over 165 times. In our passage today, he's there. Where it says, see what kind of love the Father has given 
us. Through Jesus, and only through Jesus, we can come to God, the Almighty, as our Father, Abba Father, the Bible says. Abba being the affectionate term for Father, like in the English we would use the word Dad or Daddy, maybe even be a better way of putting it. Kaismaker, in his book on, on this uh, on one, the letters of 1 John says this, God's fatherhood is eternal. He is eternally the father of Jesus Christ. And through Jesus, he is our father. Through Jesus, we receive the father's love and are called children of God. That's a privileged position that you and I find ourselves in because of Jesus. And it was revolutionary for the the, the, the time that John was writing this, even in the language of the letter, even in the Greek here, there's things in there that, that, that show that it was completely foreign to people. So in verse uh, 1 of chapter 3, where it says, see what kind of love the Father has poured out, has given us. That word there for kind actually literally means what country, what country does this love come from? It's so foreign. It's so alien to what we expect. It's, it's, it's supposed to have that sort of surprise effect that, you know, that, or surprise feeling that you have when you come across something foreign. I don't know about you, but I can remember the first time I came across a curry. You know, I've had food before, but oh, I've never had food like this before, or a Chinese takeaway. The first time you came across Chinese food, it might be something like that. That, that surprise feeling that you have when you come across something foreign, and that's what love the Father has poured out on us. It's not of this world. It's not in our human experience that we who were enemies of God, we who were sinners, would experience the love of God and get to approach Him as our Father. For some of you, as you have come amongst us, that has been your experience amongst us as a church. You think, God, this is, this is foreign. This is a bit different to what I'm used to out, out there. And for some people, that may still even be your experience today. And that's fine, actually. That's, that's quite normal. And to be honest, you'll probably still feel a bit foreign until you get to that point where you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. And then it will become normal. But for those of us that have done that, we can know that we can confidently approach God's throne of grace knowing that he will receive us and he will hear us through faith in Jesus. In Western society, we've, we've kind of uh, now moved away from confidence in, in God to arrogance. And we kind of assume, everyone assumes, oh, some, this is, that we can approach God as our Father if we want. We can approach God this way. And indeed, many Christians are even confused and, and don't fully understand what the Bible teaches, And they casually say things because they want to get God in the conversation. But they, oh, we're all children of God, aren't we? And in a sense, we are in that he is creator. But the Bible is very clear. John Stott, in his excellent book on, on the letters of John, he says this to us to help explain it. The universal fatherhood of God is not taught in the Bible, except in the general sense that God is creator of all. But in the intimate spiritual sense, 
God is not father of all people, and not all people are his children. In our passage today, the Apostle, um, yeah, the Apostle John, building on what Jesus taught, divides mankind into two camps, into the sons of God and into the children of the devil as well. It's that stark in the eyes of God. It's not as, you know, in, in your and my sort of estimation of things, we could be, oh, well, I'm just, I'm just a, uh, I'm a little bit good. I'm, I'm sort of good. I'm sort of all right. Or I'm just a little bit mischievous. I'm, I'm sort of bad. No, no. In the eyes of God, it's that stark. The God who is completely pure, who is totally holy and righteous, he divides mankind into two camps, the sons of God and the children of God and the children of the devil, light and darkness, the sheep and the goats. Calvin, on this verse in uh, verse uh, 9 and uh, 10, uh, says this. John says that some are born of God and some of the devil. He means that the former are governed and guided by the Spirit of God and the others are led astray by Satan. St. Augustine in the 6th century wrote this. He said, The devil made no man, begat no man, created no man. But whosoever imitates the devil, that person, as if begotten by him, becomes a child of the devil. And that is the truth of our condition before God. There's no sort of third neutral ground where we're sort of in the middle sitting on the fence. Naturally, the Bible makes clear that mankind is born under the power of Satan. But the good news for you, and our passage makes it clear today, that the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. We may be born into that condition, but through recognizing that Jesus came to die on a cross, taking on his perfect self, the things that you and I have done, what we have said, and what we have thought that is wrong. He takes that on himself, and by acknowledging that he rose again on the third day, as a sign to all of those who put their trust in him, that they will be forgiven, that they will be made righteous, that they, as our passage says, can be born of God. That's when we make the shift from being a goat to a sheep. I don't know if uh, either of them particularly appeal to you. They don't to me, either, apart from eating them. But uh, 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 from darkness to light, from a child of the devil to a child of God. That's when we make the shift. For when we hear the word of God, and recognize our sinful state before God, and put our faith and our trust in Jesus, looking to him for forgiveness, that's when the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us, changing us. Or as in verse 9 it says, uh, that God's seed abides in us. It's the Holy Spirit who Jesus says, the world cannot receive him because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. 
His job is to transform you and to transform me to be more like Jesus. Or as Romans 8 verse 29 says, to be conformed to the image of God's Son. Commenting commentating on uh, verses 8 and 9, Calvin says this, In short, the apostle ascribes to the Spirit a sovereign presence in the elect. By his power, he represses sin and does not allow it to rule and reign. And the power of the Spirit is so effectual that it necessarily keeps us in continual obedience and righteousness. Now, Calvin's not saying that we won't fall into sin because he's already talked about that, but he's saying that's the trajectory of our life because of the Spirit's power in us. Last week, Sam talked about the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit at work in in us. It's the Spirit who abides in us, who comes uh, inside of us, who changes us. And that hope, that ability to change, that ability to approach God as Father and you as His true Son and daughter is on offer to all mankind through Jesus. doesn't matter what you've done or what your background is. doesn't matter what your own father was like, whether he was there, whether he was not very nice. You may have some big issues in your life, some big issues of hurt and pain, and think, God, why did you allow this to happen to me? But don't use them as a barrier to coming to God. Come to him, and then know his loving embrace and help in your life as your heavenly Father. So I'm just actually going to lead us in a prayer. Now, can I just ask everyone to to bow their heads? So I know there's some people here that haven't made God your your Father. Yeah, and I just want you to, if that's you, and you know, actually, I'm in that place where I want to surrender my life to Jesus, then pray this prayer in your heart along with me. Father God, thank you for loving me so much that you sent Jesus to die for me on the cross. Please forgive me of all that I have done that offends you. And through the power of your spirit, make me a child of God so that I can live the rest of my life with you. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. 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 If you prayed that prayer, please come and grab me afterwards. I have a a leaflet I'd like to give to you and talk to you about. But the Bible makes it clear that we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouth. So it's important to tell people that you've put your faith in Jesus and that you've become a Christian. It's the most amazing privilege. And for most of us in the room, we've already done that. And we know that we have become children of God. Even though we look no different to those in the world around us, the work of the Holy Spirit is an inward work. It's not a work on the outside. He's changed our status before God from a child of the devil to a child of God. Uh, But uh, he is now working on our character. And when Christ comes again, or as verse 2 says, when he appears, we too will be transformed bodily because we will be like him, because we shall see him as he is. Or as the Apostle Paul explains, he says, the, this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body 
must put on immortality. However, for the time being, it's an internal work that the Holy Spirit is doing on you and is doing on me. We as Christians, we don't, we don't glow when we become Christians. We don't look different. But Jesus says you can recognize them. You can recognize them by their fruits, he says. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Or to use one of John's favorite terms, abide, and I'm sure John got this uh, term abide from this passage in John 14, where Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So what are these fruits that God's looking for in your life? Well, our passage makes clear some of them today. And we're going to move on to that, which is my last point, the character traits of the children of God. And the first thing you notice as you go through this passage, it says this, Abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence at his coming. We know when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. One of the character traits of the children of God is that they are living for the return of Christ. When you became a Christian, you see, you technically, you deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. Your life is no longer lived for yourself but for Jesus. You're no longer living primarily for this world, but for the eternal one that is to come. Therefore, as Christians, our decisions, what we do, what we don't do, how we choose to spend our time and our money, all should be lived in the light of Christ's return. Jesus says, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul. And he goes on to show us why we should live for him like this. He says, For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of the Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. My friends, what's the driving force in your life at the moment? What's behind the decisions that you are making the choices that you are choosing to, to do, what, what is guiding that? Is it yourself or is it Jesus? Is it living in the light of the eternal age, the age to come? My friends, honestly assess your hearts today. What's driving you? What's determining what you do with your time and don't do, what you do with your money and don't do? Because we as believers, it should be dictated to by Jesus Christ. If you've got distracted this morning by other things, if you're aware, actually, yeah, I've let other things, hobbies or things like that, just creep in and get a, a, a greater importance in my life than they should have. Recognize that this is wrong. It's sinful before God. Because as a believer, the Apostle Paul is very clear with us. He says, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. So just, if that's you, just repent of that now. Just say, oh Lord, I'm sorry that this has become too important in my life. Please help me realign 
myself with you afresh. And ask the Holy Spirit to help you live your life in the light of the return of Christ. So that's the first one. The second character trait that we see in, the, in this passage is that we should be righteous. It says this, If you know that he is righteous, practice righteousness. For whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. So the passage is clear that we as Christians should be righteous and should be practicing righteousness. Now let me be clear. John is not putting on you the burden of being righteous in your own self. You were once darkness. You were lost. You were trapped in sin and under the devil. But by faith in Jesus, you have been set free. You've become a child of God. You can now live for him. Your status before God has been made righteous because of Jesus. God is not now looking for you, now you've done that, to strive in your own strength to try and be righteous by yourself. Now, the Apostle Paul is clear in his letter to the Romans, none is righteous, no, not one. The prophet Isaiah says, all our righteous deeds are like filthy rags before God. So John is not saying to you, now you've come to Christ in faith, you've got to you know, really sort of stir yourself to try and be righteous. No, the Bible is clear. For it's in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. For the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, apart from what you and I do, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. See, just as you began your Christian journey through faith in Jesus, you continue it through faith in Jesus. The righteousness that God is looking for in you and me is not our filthy rags attempts of trying to be righteous, but it's us responding in faith to what God's Word tells us we should do and what the Holy Spirit prompts you to do. We do it in faith because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hebrews 11 verse 6 tells us, God is wanting you to do lots of faith-filled acts of service for him. And as you do it out of faith and obedience to Jesus, then because you're doing it in faith, they will be counted to you as righteousness. That's how you practice righteousness, my friends. So it's, you know, when God's Spirit is prompting you, you know, just speaking into your life, say, oh, go, and, go and share your, with that lady over there, or that man over there. Just, just let him know that I, I, I love him and I care for him. And uh, I just want him to know that I'm, if he was to reach out for me, I'm there for him. And you say, oh, I can't do that. I don't even know the chap. I'm not going to. And then you say, okay, God, okay, because God keeps pressing it on you. Say, okay, God, I'll do it. And you're, uh, excuse me, mate. Um, I know this may sound a bit weird, but I'm a Christian. And that's weird, isn't it? No, no. Uh, I'm a Christian. And uh, I just feel God wants you to know that he loves you and that he cares for you. And that if you were to reach out to him, he's, he's there for you. I don't know if that means anything to you, but I just feel God wants you to know that. 
Well, all right, and then it goes on. That is what God is looking for, acts of faith. Or when people try to tempt you to do something and you say, no, no, I'm not going to do that because you know the Bible tells us we're not to live like that. That is the acts of faith that God is looking for you and they will be credited to you as righteousness as you do that. That's what God is looking for. It's not your own righteousness. It's in response to Jesus and in faith in Jesus and what he has done. Thirdly, the passage tells us that we should purify ourselves. And everyone who hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. What do we purify ourselves from? Well, the passage tells us from sin and lawlessness. So as Christians, it says, we must not make a practice of sinning. Sin is lawlessness. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. John is very clear on these things. And last time I spoke, when I spoke on the sort of end of uh, John chapter uh, 1, I spoke a lot about the difference between falling into sin and making a practice of sinning. So I'm not going to go into that again here. I'll just sum, sum this, these verses up by what William Barclay says in his commentary. He says this, John is not saying that the man who abides in God cannot sin, but he is saying that the man who abides in God cannot continue to be a consistent and deliberate sinner. The final thing that John brings out in this passage, and it just sneaks in at the end there, where he says that whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Love should characterize the children of God. But John just uses this essay, and he mentions it at the end, and it's a bridge into the next passage, which we'll look at in two weeks' time. So I'll speak more about love in, in two weeks' time. Two weeks' time, because next week is Father's Day, and we've got a Father's Day service. Bring your friends, bring, bring, uh, bring your dad, if, uh, he's, if, he's, if he's around, if he's local, if he's still alive. Um, bring, bring, uh, bring them. That would be a that would be great. But in two weeks' time, we'll look more on that. So in conclusion, it says, to sum up what I've talked about here, we know that through the Holy Spirit abiding in us, we can become confident children of God who are eagerly living for Christ's return. Amen? Amen. Can I invite the band back up here? going to sing a closing song. All right, can I invite you to stand? If you can. There's a sense in which all of us need to do business with God this morning. All of us need to respond to him and respond to his word. So I'm just going to pray for us generally, but afterwards there'll be some people up the front, to my front right, your left, to, to pray with you in particular if you if you need prayer, if you, if you feel like you've been distracted and you realize, actually, no, I've been distracted by this world and you want to 
get that right and you want to focus on the world to come, then please come and get someone to pray alongside you, to stand with you in, in prayer. For some of you, I actually feel there's a few people here that God is asking, there's some faith-filled steps that God is asking you to take. Might be to do with your work situation, I, I'm not sure. But actually, you're, you're struggling, you think, oh God, I'm not sure I can do this, this is, this is big. Come and get prayer, come and get prayer. God wants to meet with you in, in that. And then for others, you know that you've allowed uh, an area of sin to just grow in your life and you want to be set free from that. Come and get prayer for that. And as always, each week, if you're here and you need healing, please, we'd love to pray for you for healing as well. I'm just going to pray, and I'm going to hand over to the band, and as the band start playing, if any of those areas I've mentioned uh, are relevant to you, please come forward straight away, and we'll, there'll be some people there to pray with you. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you're for us. I thank you that because of you, we can approach the Almighty as our Father, our Daddy, the one who loves us, the one who wants to embrace us in his love, the one who has a plan for our life, Lord God, the one who we know no matter what we go through, Lord God, the ups and the downs, the difficulties, the unexpected, the hurts, Lord God, we know we can turn to you and that you have us in your arms, Lord, that you have a plan and a purpose for our lives. And so, Lord, we come to you afresh and we surrender ourselves afresh to you. Help us to be more like you. Help us to grow, Lord God, into the children that you want us to be. Help us to reflect our heavenly Father more and more in the way that we live our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.